Welcome to the NPO Media Podcast, featuring interviews, stories, and creative content by individuals living with mental illness. My name is Pete Schiffman, board president of the Staten Island chapter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Together with fellow board member and podcast co-producer Rashid Ali, we believe that showcasing creativity and resilience provides hope, reduces stigma, and lets others know that there's so much more to a person than just a diagnosis. Opinions expressed in the podcast by individuals are their own. Please be aware of possible triggers as traumatic experiences may be shared. For this episode, we spoke via Skype with Greg Hitchcock, a journalist, filmmaker and advocate working with NAMI. Prior to recording, I asked Greg if he could discuss how he was first diagnosed and his recovery journey. Secondly, I asked him about his journalism career and remaking himself from a disabled person to an abled person. And lastly, I asked Greg his strategy for maintaining mental wellness. Hi, my name is Greg Hitchcock. Let me tell you how I became sick. I started experiencing symptoms of schizophrenia when I was a soldier stationed in Washington, D.C. sometime in 1986. I was a 19-year-old TV and radio technician serving at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. Feelings of fear and panic were felt when I first saw the suffering both inside and outside the hospital. Sick people, homeless people, pushers, pimps, and prostitutes were all seen on the city's streets something I was never quite exposed to back home in suburban small-town America in upstate New York. I can remember once when I had to enter the infectious disease clinic of the hospital to fix a broken television in one of the patient's rooms. I had to wear a mask to cover my face against spreading any germs. The one room I entered, a beautiful young woman around 30 years of age, was sitting on the bedside. She had blonde hair. I hurriedly fixed the TV and quickly went out of the clinic. It immediately came into my head that this woman had AIDS, a disease that still had stigma around it at that time. I immediately went into the men's bathroom and washed my hands over and over, scrubbing until my hands were sore. At first, I would hide these symptoms, these creeping feelings of paranoia and fear, but continued to show up for work. Then the symptoms started to get stronger. I would hide in my room, locking the door behind me. I would stay up for hours into the night, obsessed over watching videos of war, death, and concentration camps. Reality seemed to get farther away from me each passing day, causing me to oversleep and be late for work, often without showering or shaving. My hygiene suffered, my sleep suffered, then I heard the voices. At the post exchange, at the cafeteria, at work, and back in my room, an inner voice called to me saying my name, Greg, Greg, Greg. It seemed so real that I often turned around to see who was calling me, but no one was there. That's when I turned to drinking. I thought this would be a good way to deaden my senses. Instead, it got much worse. I still showed up for work. That never slowed me down. But one day, my dorm's duty officer called me in. He said after a routine inspection while I was away, that the inspector saw something out of the ordinary in my room. Excrement. I defecated on my bed and spread feces over my walls. That was the sign that they needed to send me for a mental health examination. 
It was the usual Rorschach ink block test, memory test, and hand-eye coordination test. I failed all three. Well, needless to say, the next thing I knew was that I was locked up in the behavioral health clinic with others, suffering a mental illness, taking medications, and waiting to be sent home. That was in early December, just before my 20th birthday. And when Christmas came around on December 25th, I heard a blood-curdling cry for help. Someone tried to take her own life that day. Those were my dark days. Among the military records I have kept are schematic drawings I used when I was a technician, my discharge papers under honorable conditions, and my medical records. My medical records state that I am unfit and incompetent to serve in the military due to my mental illness. These words were carried over into my civilian life as I returned home from the hospital. Unfit, incompetent, cruel words, but fairly accurate at the time before medications and treatment. I internalized these words for a long time, even as I tried to get back to a so-called normal life. I didn't want to feel incompetent and unfit, so I tried to avoid VA doctors and psychiatrists as much as I could while grudgingly taking my medication under my mother's watchful gaze. You see, she didn't want me to give up. My mother knew my potential, and so did the rest of my family. It was my mother's suggestion that I go to the local community college she taught at. So I did, learning the humanities and liberal arts, and later transferred to the state university to finish my undergraduate education, earning a degree in English. I felt a sense of accomplishment at last, after experiencing failure in the military. I was a college graduate. But as things were looking up for me, obstacles continued to fall in the way of my journey of recovery. I couldn't find satisfactory work. I ended up working part-time in markets and retail stores while sending out resumes. No opportunities entered my life. I was either turned away or not taken seriously at all. I attributed this to my mental illness, the feelings of being incompetent and unfit for more meaningful work. This spilled into my relationships with my girlfriends and others. I couldn't do anything good for myself any more than I could for anybody else. I sensed failure at my lot in life until one day, I was given a chance from the managing editor of a local magazine. It wasn't much. I remember being a gopher bringing coffee in the newspaper to the editorial staff. But I did get the chance to do editorial work covering small assignments. From this small opportunity game, great things. I soon became a professional writer and journalist. Schizophrenia can wear a person down, especially if not treated quickly enough through medication and counseling, peer support, and meaningful activity. As I was discovering my skills and abilities, I still had to manage a disability. It took a while to trust the medical establishment. I still didn't get over the fact that I didn't like music therapy, recreational therapy, journaling, and talking to psychiatric practitioners, so-called experts in drugs and brain disease. My goal was to have a career, which were my identity and my hope. All things should soon follow, I felt. However, reality is different than dreams. I was dealing with a chronic mental illness with no known cure. I soon realized that when I became married. Inadequacies came to the surface, and as much as I wanted the marriage to last, I still felt incompetent and unfit. We fought. 
This stress caused me to relapse, and I was hospitalized overnight and put on new medication. I was released, but my marriage was over. Going into a day treatment center and living at a home for the poor and disabled, I soon became disheartened. When all seemed lost, a friend came along who encouraged me. John Krupp became one of my many mentors who suddenly popped into life when life was at its lowest. He was a boxing fan, and he always told me to keep on punching until you punch a winner. That struck a chord. After all, he had a sunny disposition despite his personal history with severe schizophrenia that caused him to go in and out of hospitals throughout his life. With his help, I got off my feet and cared for myself using self-management in the care of my mental illness. I took my daily medications as prescribed, sought out the help of others, and continued my work as a writer and journalist. That's when I finally came to acceptance, accepting myself for both my strengths and my weaknesses. I soon moved out of the residential shelter. John died soon after. Life goes on. Journey starts with a single step, For me, that first step was a doozy. As I continue on my road to recovery, I'm reminded of the many influences that have gotten me there. My mentors, my medications, my medical staff, and my mom. All were used as coping mechanisms toward a healthier, happier me. And although John Krupp and my mother are no longer alive to lend advice, they still seem to be in the corner of my mind, counseling me to do well. These are the inner voices I will keep throughout the remainder of my life. Life is still a struggle at times. Sometimes I need help. But now I know whom to turn to for that help. I no longer see myself as someone with a disability, but rather as someone with unique abilities and the strength to use them. I wish the same for you. Today I am a success, both personally and professionally. Professional journalist, I have written for a wide variety of publications. My articles have appeared in the Houston Chronicle, San Diego Union Tribune, and Los Angeles Times, among other distinguished media organizations. I've been in the middle of a nearly devastating flood in the Mohawk Valley, covering breaking news as has happened for the Leader Herald. I've written business and healthcare stories for the Albany Business Review, emerging technology stories, education stories, and sports stories for CapitalAreaGolf.com. I also produce videos and films for organizations and companies, including government agencies, historical societies, and not-for-profit organizations. In 2014, I created a multimedia presentation on climate change in the Adirondack Mountains for the United Nations. The story received honorable recognition from Full Sail University and the embassies of France in the film category. I'm currently writing about conservation issues for the New York State chapter of the Sierra Club and other writing and multimedia assignments, but I'm always looking for more to do. My personal life has gotten better too. I went from being almost homeless to living in a residential shelter for the displaced to owning my own house. I'm still looking for that special someone to share my life with, but I suspect that will come in time too. I have not lost hope. I am now a mentor for others. Serving on the board of directors for the Mental Health Association in Fulton and Montgomery counties, stamping out stigma by serving in the community mental health promotion team, speaking about mental illness as a NAMI peer facilitator and in our own voice presenter has given me a voice in mental health recovery. 
my hope and dream is that others who have mental illnesses can see past their illness and live the lives the best they can do. When I served in the military, the Army's recruiting slogan was to be the best you can be. That is what we all struggle and hope for. You can view my portfolio and my best work online at www.greghitchcockonline.net. And of course, you can email me with any questions at greg at greghitchcockonline.net. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Greg, for sharing your story with us. And thank you to NAMI New York State for spreading the word about our podcast. If you are interested in participating in a future episode, please email info at npomedia.org. We are on social media at Twitter and Facebook by searching NPO Media Podcast.